We've got a special thing happening here, which I will tell you about our special guest in just a moment. Uh, but we do want to greet every single Fresh Life location, church online, those watching at watch parties, podcast. Yeah, we're so glad you're here. This is a great day. Etc. cetera. Uh, this is the finale of a series of messages that we have been in called Morning, Noon, and Night. And we're talking about the rhythms of a healthy soul. It's been fantastic. This is week four of that series. And we are joined uh, by a friend of Jenny and I's, Deborah Folletta. Good to Did be I say here. that right? You are so close. Folletta. Okay. <laughs> How do you say it? Folletta. Folletta. Like save some Folletta. Save oh, some you know? Folletta. <laughs> Can't forget so it. Or a filet of fish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. McDonald's <laughs> reference. So the tea, the tea, <laughs> the casual McDonald's reference. The tea is, speaking of a healthy soul, <laughs> the tea is silent. That's not uh, Almost silent. Fileta. Fileta. Yeah, there you go. Okay, getting closer. You got it. We're joined by Deborah Fileta, <laughs> uh, who uh, has, be, I feel like we're friends because we've been on Skype before and yeah. all that. and your books. We've had some great conversations. Some times together. We originally met, we were on a, a, a panel together yeah. for Relevant, uh, speaking of relationships and all that right. stuff. And it was such a funny thing because it, she's, oh, I mean, she, obviously she's written a couple books. You have a third coming, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. You're working on now or is it done? It's done. It's coming out in January. It's donezo. Yeah, we're in Very, the done. Congratulations. That's a big deal. That's a big done. deal. It really is. Y'all will clap if you ever wrote a book. I'm telling you something. <laughs> Especially if you ever wrote a third book. It's, a, it's like babies. It doesn't get easier, right? <laughs> it is right? like babies. It does exactly. not get easier. It really is. You have to push. Um, <laughs> TMI. TMI. Uh, but, uh, but. When we were on this panel, uh, I remember at one point you, you mentioned that you do, you know, Skype-based uh, counseling. You're right. Yeah. And I was, I said joking, half joking, can I get your number? Would like to have, because uh, we were working through some things in our, our marriage at the time. Yeah. And we, you've been so helpful for yeah. us in navigating, because uh, you're a professional counselor. Yeah. You have a master's degree in counseling. Right. And uh, anyhow, so I thought it would be fun for this final message in the series as we're talking about how to have a healthy soul to talk to someone who literally helps people navigate through that. Yeah, that's and so, so, so that would be just a fun way to, to, to do that. So yeah, and let me us. just pause and say, I mean, how awesome is it that leadership is setting that example from the top down? You know, I think counseling gets such a stigma sometimes and, and even especially I would say in the church. Yes. And so honestly, you guys are setting the example of what it looks like to be healthy from the top down. You know, we can't just preach and teach health if we're not living it out ourselves. So it's just, it's exciting. It's, it's exciting. So well, and I just want to thank you for um, your voice in my life, whether it has been through counseling or through um, your book, which is this is so amazing, but um, I'm just so thankful for your voice in my life, really giving me tools and phrases and um, and truth to 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 help in our relationship in my, in my life. And so, thank you. I'm just thankful for your voice, hey man. I'm so thankful for that. Well, sort of to start us off, you know, we're kind of in this series, just sort of we wanted to really examine culture and what we're accepting as normal. And, yeah. you know, uh, the average American says that they're more anxious than they were last year. And, you know, young people dealing with higher levels of anxiety than uh, what would have been uh, for those dealing with like severe psychological issues 50 years ago, now being normative in our day. And so just kind of from your perspective, what do you see as being sort of like the trends on anxiety and compulsive behavior and just that kind of stuff? Like, do you, do you see that becoming more and more of an issue? Definitely. It is becoming more of an issue. 
And I think for multiple reasons, but one of the reasons is our culture really lends to that. Like, we're so busy, it's so chaotic. We don't have time to sit and think. We don't have time to reflect. We don't have time to focus on our internal health. And I think part of the problem too in Christian culture is we assume just because we're Christian, we're healthy. And we assume that in relationships. Just because that person's a Christian, that means they're healthy. You know, when we enter a relationship with Jesus, we don't just assume that we're going to be healthy physically. Like, I got saved and now I'm like my, my most fit ever. We don't say that kind right. of stuff. I got a six pack. I got exactly. saved. Exactly. Yeah. We, we work towards When I get baptized, it. I got biceps. It's exactly. Great. <laughs> you know, it's funny. That sounds so ridiculous. But we apply that same mentality to our soul. Wow. We wow. apply that same mentality to our relational health. We think, I'm, I'm saved. Jesus is in my heart now, so I am automatically healthy. Wow. But we've got to be working at that if that's important to us. And so I love this series and the fact that we are putting practical steps to what it looks like to have a healthy soul. Yeah, and so with you know, regards to like just the nonstop nature of information, yeah. the nonstop nature of noise, I, I found in myself like... Like, I look down at myself on my phone while watching TV, while, you know, but, but the still feeling like I can't not, I can't focus, you know what I mean? I'm just watching myself. You know, what, what do you think that is that, you know, obviously the dopamine, it's all that stuff, like just right. we're getting overwhelmed by all the just this constant streams? I think we are. And, and it's like I, I, I joke sometimes that my brain has become like a six lane L.A. highway. Like there's so much going on. And I feel like in Jesus's time, like there was just a sense of reflection built into society because they had they had the time. Like there was no distractions like we have today. Um, and so I feel like we're bombarded and we've got to fight against it. We've got to go upstream. Like if there's any hope for us to have a healthy life and a healthy soul and, and it has to become part of our rhythm. Like, like you're saying, it's got to be a discipline and something that we're putting on the top of our checklist of things we need to do, especially for those of us who say we're Christians. If we're pouring into people, what are we pouring out if we're not getting filled, if we're not getting refreshed? Like, where is that coming from and how long is it going to last us? Where do you see like silence playing a part? Because obviously it's, it's easy to live a life where you never, ever for a, a minute are in quiet. Yeah. But that's like technically torture. Like yeah. you see in movies, they like tie people to a chair and make them listen to loud music all day. So, but that's sort of essentially like, you know what I mean? What we're doing for a life without quiet, life without solitude. Yeah, I think we're scared of it. We're scared of solitude. And we, we almost see it as a scary thing. You ever hear the term solitary confinement? Yes. And it's like that idea that like being alone is this torturous thing. And I think in a way it is because we're, we're made for community, mm. right? So there's health in community and living in community, not living in isolation. Yeah. But if we don't make any time for solitude, then we don't have room for Jesus because he speaks mm. in that solitude. He speaks on the Sabbath, you know, yeah. he yeah. speaks in our time of rest. And the saddest part is I think so many of us don't realize our need for rest until we burn out. Wow. Totally. And then we realize we're not invincible. And something needs to change. But how much better if we could get to that realization before we burn out? You know, like how much more could God do with us before burnout? Yeah, for sure. So speaking of burnout and speaking of that, like not doing something till it's drastic, it's kind of the same way with counseling. Yeah. Like that's the last ditch effort. It is, try everything usually. Else, now I'll do that or it I'll, is. you know what I mean? As opposed to like, hey, this, is, this, this could become an issue, learning to see the dashboard indicators on totally. when they're just saying change oil, 
not when they're saying your car is about to be on fire. You know totally. what I mean? Totally. And how many of us like, like, do you take your car in for regular oil changes and maintenance? So what if we Heavy see- conviction. <laughs> you were like, I need to do that right now. I was just two months this, late. This, <laughs> so, right? Yeah, right. I, saw, I, would draw, I drove the her car. I drove her car and I looked at the sticker and I was like, dear, dear God, that is not okay. You know what I mean? And, exactly. Yeah. We, you're right. We, we neglect that too. But it's like the, the, the rhythm of that is built into our life. We got to do this if we want our car to last a long time. We don't do that with other parts of life. And what if we were to see that time, that counseling process, that time with Jesus, that time to get into a rhythm of a healthy soul. What if we saw that as preventative maintenance instead of, okay, my car broke down. I really need help now. Right. Well, I, I mean, for me growing up, counseling was more like, okay, if it's really bad, then right. that's what, that's, then that's what happens. But for us to be able to now just admit and say, no, this is actually what we want to have in place so that we're growing and we're healthy and we're vibrant and not just the last. Well, I think effort. people in the church fear that you're going to replace God with counseling or replace God, but which you can replace God with the Bible. Yeah. You can replace God with anything. So, I mean, what, what, whatever can be done that is, is, is not helpful can be done in a positive way as well. Totally. And I think that that's kind of the fear is that we're somehow neglecting the Holy Spirit, but God told us we're supposed to look into our patterns of thinking. We're supposed to renew our minds. And right, absolutely. So what you're really doing is letting that happen that in, a, in totally. a guided way. And I think, you know, there's something to be said of the passage where iron sharpens iron. You know, like if, you, if you're having a hard time wrapping your brain around it, that's exactly what it is. You're, you're, you're allowing yourself to be put in front of iron so that you can be sharpened and grow. And even counselors need counseling. Like I have gotten some incredible truths poured into my life at some of the darkest times mm. through counseling. We all go through anxiety sometimes. We all go through depression sometimes. It's a sickness of the body and the mind. It's not necessarily a sickness of the spirit. And I think that's where people struggle. It's like, if I'm struggling, then maybe something's wrong with my spirit. You know, but we don't say that when we've got diabetes. Yeah we think is something wrong with my body. And so I just wish people could have, I mean, God is in it all. God is in the physical, sure. God is in the emotional, God is in the mental, the spiritual, and he wants us to align to him in all those areas. Yeah. Talk to that for a minute. Like, well, okay, so obviously we know, okay, my physical body, I need um, to get exercise and I need to try and eat good, right? Yeah. What are some of the things that we can do for those other two aspects of who we are to keep our health in check? Or, or what would be some ways on the dashboard, some practical, tangible things. It's like, hey, this would be a sign that something's not going so good. You totally. Know? You know, sometimes even physical health is a sign that our emotional health isn't in the right place. Like if you've ever been in a season where you're going to the doctor all the time, you've got all kinds of crazy things happening in your body, you can't figure out what it is, sometimes that's emotional. Wow. Sometimes the emotional manifests as physical. You know, and so it's important for us to be aware of what's going on in our body. One thing I even do with my kids, I start them at a young age, is learning to identify their emotions and talk through their emotions, express their emotions. Because if we don't learn to identify and control our emotions, they start controlling us without us even realizing it. It's like the default. So good. And we can walk around with all of these feelings that manifest through our body, that manifest through anger, that manifest through unhealthy relationships. Um, because we've got stuff inside that we haven't dealt with, our past issues, our past relationships, how our past is affecting our present. Like there's so many things that it's just so beneficial to have someone else's eyes on it, helping you navigate through it. Right. I think that's the key is, is bringing someone else's eyes 
into it because you can get so overwhelmed by your, your emotions, your situation, whatever it is, and to have someone speak in, and like you said earlier, iron sharpening iron, you need, you need those, the people in your life who can speak into what you're going through. And I mean, that's something that you've helped me see so much of just kind of like, just taking a step back, seeing the situation, giving the advice, giving the biblical truth. It's just, we, we need that. Sometimes I think you can get so used to your junk that you stop seeing it, you know? And you get so used to putting on a show. Social media has taught us how to put on a show and put our best face forward. And sometimes we put so much of our best face forward that we forget what our real face looks like. And we forget, we just get so used to our junk. You know, like sometimes with kids, like you look at our windows and they're full of like fingerprints. And I don't see them anymore because I'm like so used to the, the junk. And then, I, and then we have company over and I look at the window. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so dirty. How long has it looked like this? Exactly. Always. And that is to me a reflection of our soul and our spirit in a lot of ways, our emotional state. Sometimes we get so used to our junk. We've lived with it for so long. Our spouses have lived with it so long. We've lived with it in our family of origin that we just get so used to it until someone's like, mm, I don't know about that. You know, it, it, it can really be a, an awesome sharpening process. So what would be if you had to tell, you know, someone said, hey, what are, what are two or three dashboard indicators that could maybe speak to a lack of emotional health? You mentioned diet. You mentioned like I, I do notice that like physical when I'm stressed, I'm not making good eating decisions. Yeah. You know, it's so easy after a crazy day just to feel like I almost deserve this or like to almost like rationalize in your head yep. or I'm not, I'm off kilter here, you know, just go down in flames a little bit. Okay. So what, obviously that's not healthy. <laughs> Three things, yep. your thoughts, how healthy are your thoughts? Are you starting to go down a cycle of negative thinking about yourself, others, your situation, and it's starting to permeate your life? Like take inventory of your thoughts, take inventory of your physical health, like we talked about, but also your interactions with others. Are your relationships starting to be marked more by drama and more by problems than they are healthy things? And then take inventory of your behaviors. What are you doing in your free time and how are you spending your time and are you being productive the way you wanna be productive and how's your focus? So your behaviors, your interactions and your thoughts, those are good indicators as they're tipping into the negative territory that something needs to be done. Like I need to stop and just make sure that these things are staying in, in the positive. Phenomenal. Gosh, that's so practical. And um, I came across a statistic, and we talked about it earlier on the series, that most heart attacks happen at 9 a.m. Hmm. And specifically, the majority of fatal heart attacks or severe heart attacks take, take place at 9 a.m. And uh, this was brought out in a book by a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi. And he was saying that part of the problem is the American way of thinking is that a morning starts in the, the day starts in the morning, right. midnight, right? And so first thing you do when, you, when the day begins is you wake up and you kind of rush off to work. And he was saying that the Jewish way of thinking is that the day begins at sunset. And so the first thing you do when the day starts is you rest. Hmm. And you're resting, okay. going into the day. And, and he was just basically talking about how important it is to not go from lying in your bed like this to rushing into work. From zero to 100. And now all of a sudden your, your arteries are like, ah, what's going on? And, yeah. and, totally. and almost like there's not that. And so, you know, obviously growing up in the church, we talked about having quiet times. Yeah. And then that kind of 
fell out of vogue and, you know, whatever that exact language, have you had your quiet time and, you know, whatever you want to call it, your devotional or whatever, but something in the morning, what part do you think that plays in preparing for your day? You personally, yeah. between sleeping to now I'm in Deborah Philea mode, right? Yeah. Go slay a mode. Uh, That's good. Uh, yes. Uh, if you need a, a hat, <laughs> I'm going to use that one. But basically, like, what do you? What part do you see that playing in your successful being emotionally healthy and strong and all that? Yeah, it's funny. I feel like I've noticed lately that when I'm feeling the worst, I need that morning time the most. And wow. I started wondering why. Like, like I wake up desperate for it when I'm not feeling good. Like I know I need Jesus, and I, I get into the Word, and I'm almost like, like I need it more than food when I'm not feeling good. And when I start feeling good, I'm like, ah, you know, maybe I'll do this later tonight. And I'm a night owl anyway, so I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to it at night. But it just, it, it, I think it's telling that the times I'm most desperate and hungry for God's word is the time when I am feeling the emptiest. And it's like, what if I, what if all of us were to get under that, into that habit of sitting under that, the, 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 the water, the living water, and just quenching our thirst? that God would fill us up in the morning um, because we can't continue to pour out unless he's filling us up. So there is something to be said of that morning time of allowing Jesus to speak into you as you're going out into the world and speaking into the lives of others. I mean, it's transformational. And I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it, but it's a habit that I'm trying so hard to build into the rhythm of my life because I see the desperate need. Speak to uh, saying no. What part that plays in staying healthy in your own heart, in yeah. relationships, in life, you know, and the failure to, you know, I think a lot of us feel, live under a cloud of like fearing, you know, letting people down, disappointing. So we end up saying totally. yes to things we should say no to and then resenting it. Totally. One thing I talk about a lot in choosing marriage is that there's a difference between selflessness and passivity. And I think a lot of Christians especially are dying on the altar of passivity and they think they're being selfless. You know, like they're saying yes to everything. They're not telling people what they need. They don't have boundaries. They're keeping their emotions to themselves because it's like, I want to be selfless in my relationships and my marriage to people around me. And then at the end of the day, they're spread too thin. Like Jesus doesn't call us to passivity. He calls us to selflessness. And, and people who mistake those two things, I think, really struggle. And so we've got to start by identifying that there is a difference, you know. And, and being selfless, you think of others first. You learn to compromise. You, you, you start living with the mentality of we is greater than me. But that doesn't mean that you're putting yourself to death in that way. You're just putting to self, to death your sinful nature. You know, you're putting to death all of those things that God has called you not to be. And so I think it's important to remember that. We've got a lot of uh, passive, burnt out people walking around the church. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's a fact. Right, well, and we're, we're in a place where we're not giving our effort and our energy to what we're doing and to our relationships because we kind of allow that, well, just kind of whatever happens is fine. Or right. it's, it's like that second... It's like we should be living with ultimate effort, energy, excitement, atmosphere, passion, but then it's like we're settling for just that. You're right. Okay, fine. That's what I don't know. And let's be honest, Instagram doesn't help. Yeah. You know, it's like everyone's doing this and that and the other thing. I got to do that too. Instead of realizing God has called us to do a few things well. Yeah. 
For me, that's my family, number one, my marriage, my family, my relationship with Jesus, of course, is top of all that. And then the ministry he's called me to. And then I've got to be really picky and choosy because everything I'm saying yes to, I'm saying no to something else. So what does that look like in my life? And how do I keep myself healthy and do a few things well, you know? What's interesting, too, is the way that social media can make us feel like we're in community when we're not. Totally. Because that guy I went to high school with, I'm friends with on Facebook, that's community, right? And it's like the the reality, though, is that social media isn't very social. Uh, You really still need to have people in your life positioned, and that's going to transform your future. I mean, what what part do you see that playing in emotional health and strength? Oh, man. Community is where God sharpens us and, and, and exposes our junk. You know, he exposes it in community because you think you're selfless until you're in community, right? right? Until you're rubbing up against people every day. And at first you think they're selfish. And then you're like, oh, wait, this could be me. Right. And you think you're selfless until you get married, for example. And then Hello. you've got this like day in, day out, like, oh, my gosh, this is me. I've got stuff I need to deal with. I, I was counseling a gentleman um, just a few days ago. I won't tell you his name or any information about him, but let me just yeah, tell you this. Yeah, we have a non-disclosure on all our junk you've heard <laughs> us talk about, too. But, but something I have people do sometimes to assess their communities, I have them draw this social map where the closest relationships they have are in the first circle. He had none in his core group. None. Wow. That's telling yeah. to me of the society we live in. He had a ton in his third group. You know, the acquaintances and the people that he feels he's connected to so well, many loose people. Loose connections, yeah. But the core group that didn't exist. People who really know well, him. Well, that's what we yeah. talked exactly. about. We said, you know, like, look, you listen to Seth Godin's podcast and this and that and other. They listen to your podcast, but you don't know their garage code. You yeah, know, exactly. You're not going to be in the ER when, the, you know what I mean? So yeah. some, listening to someone's book and being listening to their TED talk is yeah. very different than having a voice in your life. Yeah. But our brains don't know the difference between our tribe and people we listen to on our podcast, you know? You're so it's, right. it's incredibly important that we have people in our life, in our corner, who flesh and blood people we can talk to and get prayer from and hold us accountable That's and all huge. that. That's so good. Yeah. And people who are calling us out, you know, like, hey, I'm seeing something that's not healthy in you. To me, if you're in a group of friends that have never called you out or pointed out your junk, like I like to say, then I think we gotta, A, t- speak into that friendship. Like, hey, this is what, this is what authentic community looks yeah. like and this is what I need. Like, I'm inviting you to have that role in my life. And it's not easy, I you know? I think it's your first book, True Love Dates, where you talk about that study of the people in the, they, they put them in the scuba yes. diving outfits. Yes. T- tell, talk oh, about that, because that, that connects to community. Yeah, it's so telling. They took a group of people, these sociologists did this study where they took a group of people and put them in scuba suits, okay? Sociologists do weird things. Yeah. <laughs> Who got That's paid to why do I'm that? in the psychology world, <laughs> but anyway. Um, and, and they just wanted to see what these people would do. You couldn't see anything except their faces, okay? And they observed these people interacting and they noticed that people who had similar facial features had a tendency to flock together and like group together. There is power in similarity. If there is that much power in similarity of physical features, how much more power is there in the similarity of emotional 
and spiritual attraction. And I always say, like, people who find themselves in toxic or unhealthy relationships over and over again, you attract people on your level of health. And you're drawn to people on your level of health. So when I get these millennials, I love millennials. I, I just love them. And, and, and when I get these millennials coming in and saying, Deborah, why am I always attracting the jerks? What is going on? I'm a good Christian. Like, what is up with these relationships? You got to step back and say, just because you're a Christian doesn't automatically mean that you're healthy. And, and how is this, how are these relationships speaking into your level of health? And what do we need to do to get you to a place where your radar is on and you're like, mm-mm, not healthy. And you're attracting people who are like you spiritually, emotionally. Maybe that means you got to take a couple steps spiritually before you start dating because you're not there yet. Yeah, great. You know? So the, who you're going to attract when you get healthy exactly. will be a lot better than who you're going to attract It's a now. different pool yeah. at that point. So we, you're saying we attract what we are. We attract what we and are. And so for the community piece of that, if we can get into a community with people who have the traits we're wanting to foster or people that value the things we Absolutely. value, we're saying we value, we'll become like who we do life It's going to have a total impact on our lives and our hearts. I mean, scripture tells us, yeah. you know, like these, these things are important and they're part of the, the rhythm of focusing on intentional ways. And I love that word intentional. Yeah. Like we have got to be intentional as we move towards Jesus, as we move towards community, as we move towards healthy souls and healthy relationships. This stuff doesn't just happen automatically. Yeah. Well, transitioning and kind of shifting gears, you know, and specifically with your, your book, Choosing Marriage, obviously, if we want to have the rhythms of, of health in our souls and we're married, that then involves another person. Right. You know, so what, in your opinion, does uh, getting into a healthy rhythm in a marriage look like? What are some of the things that can be done or the obstacles to that? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Whenever I do marriage counseling, I usually never start with marriage counseling. So when I get a couple and they come in and they're like, Deborah, we want to do some marriage work. Usually I'll say, okay, let me do a few sessions with you by yourself and a few sessions with you by yourself. Because usually that individual health starts impacting marital health. You know, and when you can reflect on what you need to change, it starts changing the, the dynamic of your relationships, the pattern, the flow, the process as, as you get healthier. And so I think sometimes in marriage counseling too, our tendency is to come in and say, here's his junk. And then for him to say, here's her junk. I, I mean, we see it loud and clear in marriage, right? But then for, for us to have that reflection and say, what, God, what, what do I need to work on as I'm, as I'm in this process? So we always start there. And then I always tell people the choices that you make today, today, right now, are paving the way for a healthy relationship tomorrow. It's not this magical process. It's daily choices, daily rhythms, daily discipline, daily patterns and we either choose those patterns or we don't. You know, it's just like anything else. We either choose to get healthy, we're going to choose healthy foods, or we're not. Like, how badly do we want this? And, and here's the thing. It's not just about willpower. We have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We have God on our side helping yeah. us right. choose the, the proper things that he's called us to choose. So it, we're not in this battle by ourselves, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's why I love so much that the name of your book is called Choosing Marriage, because it really is, it's a fight to keep choosing every day, to choose to honor, to choose to, to love and respect. And, um, and even your subtitle, why it has to start with we is greater than me. And, but to get to we being greater, like you said, like there has to be the health individually. So there has to be the healthy me before the totally the healthy we. Deborah, in, in the book you talk about 
the, st the survey you did on how much time married couples on average spend together. Talk about brutal. that a little bit. Oh, it's man. very convicting, but go ahead. So, so that, backing up real quick, this book is for singles too, and I'll tell you why. You've got to understand what you're looking for in a healthy relationship. Right. If you want to choose marriage, you need to understand what that's going to look like. Good. But this is also for married couples because like you said, Jenny, choosing marriage is a daily process. And so one thing I did as I was writing this book, I, I love gathering data. And, and so I kind of picked the brains of people who come to my website. So I, I pulled a thousand singles and a thousand married people in really hot topics like sex, intimacy, communication, conflict, and ask some really intimate questions, like stuff you wouldn't ask your friends at Starbucks, like how many times are you having sex a week, yeah. and different things like that. But, but one of the most important things was the communication. <laughs> the communication, yeah, I'm just gonna keep going. I'm just gonna keep going. The communication piece was singles. How, how much time do you think married couples spend per week in quality conversation? Singles are like, all the time, man. Like when you're dating someone, you're talking on the phone like hours a day. No, you so, hang up. No, so, you hang up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So they're like seven hours. That's what that's what singles said. Married people at least talk seven hours a week. And single people also think it's going to be 15. That's and single people, yeah, ex you exactly. I <laughs> think it's going to be 15 twice a day. So what did married people actually say? The majority of married people, less than 30 minutes a week. Of a week of quality conference. We're not talking a day, a week. Think about that. The Besides natural, the upkeep stuff of We're not talking today, go get blah, 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 milk, who's picking up the kids, quality conversation. conversation. Yeah. If you think about it, the natural drift, the natural trajectory of marriage is drift. Ooh. There's a natural drift that happens, a natural drift. Like when you go to the ocean and you're swimming and you're not, you're not looking back at where your hotel is and you turn around, you realize the ocean carried you like you know, feet away, miles away. That is the natural trajectory of marriage. And we're shocked by that. But the natural trajectory of human nature is sin. Yes. So why is it shocking? Good. You know, we've got to work towards yeah, that. Talk health. about the triangle analogy you used in the book, because I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Um, one thing that I like to keep in my own mind and, and uh, as I'm working with people is the triangle theory. If, if this is God at the top of the triangle and then this is you and this is your spouse at the bottom, the closer you move to God, the closer they move to God the closer you guys are moving to each other. So there's, there's something important there about taking those timeouts. That's why I love your concept when we were talking about six days on, one day off. Yeah, right. You know, the importance of taking a day at least to just reflect, like, Sabbath. where am I? Yeah. yeah, where am I? How healthy am I? Jesus, what do I need you to do in my life? And, and have that quiet time to just, like, check in and, and make sure that we're moving in the right way. One of my favorite things you talked about in us, with us early on when we began talking with you was um, you, you called us out and said, don't do your check-ins on your date night. Yeah. And that was, that was incredible. But would you explain why that's such a bad idea? Yeah. You know, I, I tell couples a lot of times to have a time of check-in and, and, and I think it's crucial to have a time of confession in marriage, like confess and pray for one another yeah. so that you may be healed. You know, that's what the book of James tells us. And, and there's power in confession and prayer. So I always talk to couples about the power of applying that to marriage. We can apply that to friendships too, but applying it to that built-in accountability partner. But you don't want to mix fun and work yeah. together. You know, like, like there's a time for fun and there's a time for work. And when you take those conversations into your fun 
they can really ruin the night. Like you've got to have a little bit of both. And I think it's important to separate those two things. Yeah. Or like, like we would, we would say like, how are we doing yeah. on date nights? And I feel like because it was check-in language, but because it was like, we're having fun, we're having dinner. I feel like it was like not the place to be like, well, actually, exactly. da, da, da. so I wasn't mad. necessarily yeah. saying maybe the things that I should have brought up in a conversation because and it I didn't want to ruin it. When, when we made that shift and, you know, we have um, just said, we're not saying to that conversation that needs to happen. It's never going to happen. We're just saying right. we're going to put a pin in that. Right. We'll come back to that. And it made it just so much more life-giving. It's night's night for fun. It's a lot like what we said last week that, um, your day off shouldn't be the day that you clean out the garage. Totally. Your Sabbath day shouldn't be the day that you, you have to pay your taxes. It's like, do that on the other, the sixth day of work. You know, right. we are a five day work week, whether that's your Saturday or Sunday or some other day, have a day where you work and then let your actual day off really. And it takes hard work to prepare for that. Jenny was even just saying like, you know, you got to really the night before go, okay, what do I need to get done so I can mm -hmm. do it? Because she knows I can't enjoy a Sabbath day if the house is a mess. Right, so it's yeah. the night before. Let's get that done feverishly. That we, so we work hard so we can rest. So it's essentially that equivalent in marriage. Yeah, you're giving yourself permission to just connect emotionally on a fun level. There's different, there's different strings in the world of emotional connection. You know, there's the fun strings, there's the, 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 the deep, like heavy stuff, like, but all of these things are different strings that connect you in a relationship and there's a time and place for all of them. I, I wonder kind of as we wind down, um, if, if it's not important just to say, whether you're struggling in your marriage or struggling in your own upkeep of your soul and you feel bad about that, giving yourself permission to be human, totally. to be on that journey. I, I've heard you mention your husband, John, who's in the service. Yeah. Uh, he uh, spent 20,000 hours. Is that right? Yes. 20,000 hours. 20,000 hours becoming a doctor. 20,000 hours of training. Yeah. Okay. So exactly. <laughs> now he's a doctor. He shows up. There's yeah. 20,000 hours in that. Right. And I've heard you say before, to get married, how many hours of training does that take? How many hours? Zero. You don't get it. You don't need any training. Lessons. You just go you, to the courthouse. You can go get a piece of paper that <laughs> says you're married it. without, and then you wonder why you're not good at it. Yeah, exactly. And at best, we do premarital counseling, which is a couple hours. But how would you like it if your surgeon was like, yeah, I got a couple hours of training. I'm good. Hello. But you know? how much more so in true. your face and the capacity to wreck your life is yes. a spouse yes, and you exactly. theirs than a doctor who you meet one time. So, I mean, just to think about like, if you feel like I'm not doing good, well, that just means you need to work at it. And that yeah, just means you need to take We all need to work steps. at it. We all do. We all are a work in progress. And the people that scare me the most are the ones that don't recognize they're a work in progress. My gosh. You know? Yeah. That's when I'm like, okay, we got some real work to do here. <laughs> you know? So to, to see that you have a long way to go is the beginning of <sighs> yes. making progress the, in that journey. It's the beginning of, of a sign of health. Yeah. You know, that you recognize that you this is a journey. You know, a journey with Jesus, a journey towards him, a journey towards healing. It's beautiful, you know, and one day the journey will be over. Like, this is just a, a small, tiny fraction until we get to heaven. Oh, my gosh. Deborah, you've been a blessing to us. Thank I know you've been you, a blessing Deborah. to all of us today. Thank you, At every location. I wonder if, before we close, if you wouldn't mind just saying a prayer. You know, oh, I'd love to. There's people to. in our churches that are uh, going through marriage stuff, and we're wanting to have those healthy souls, and I just would if you wouldn't to. mind blessing us. I would love to. And, you know, my mind goes to those of you who are just wanting this but feeling empty. Um, so I just want to say a special prayer for you right now. If you're sitting in the audience and you're just feeling like you're on E, you know, this prayer is for you. 
Jesus, I just thank you that you are the giver of life and the giver of love, God. And I thank you, God, that you know that we can't pour out if we're empty. And I just pray, Lord, that we wouldn't go to the things of this world, social media and money and popularity and power to fill us up. God, that we would realize that the ultimate life-giving water comes from you and you alone. Help us to sit under that. Help us to put ourselves under that living water, God. And I pray, God, that you would faithfully fill us up to overflowing so that we can do relationships out of our overflow, God, not out of our scarcity. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness, and we trust you with our emotional and spiritual health and the health of our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Let's hear it for Deborah.